Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's Issues program. Thank you very much for any of the people that check out the live show to know that we're doing it on Friday afternoons for the temporary future. Those of you who are listening to this on iTunes or any other of the digital mediums or on the website itself don't have to worry about such things and can just ignore everything I say. Not everything I say, but most of the things I say. You can also ignore any visual cues that will happen during the live show. So, I recommend, if you can and you're around, to come and check out the live program because there are some unique things. If there's screw-ups, they usually get cut out of the final recording. There's times when my audio system gets all fudgety-booged and, and a whole bunch of silliness happens because I'm stuck with a technical error that I can't handle and I just go, Adayo, how do I figure this out? I don't know what to do. So you don't get that if you're not watching the live program. You also don't get to look at my ugly face. Hi, here I am, here and there, in other visual mediums, as I said. But I'll try, in most cases, unless we have technical glitches, to include a video version of the podcast on the website as well. So if someone would rather watch through YouTube like you used to back in the old days, you can do it that way. But if you want to check out any of the shows or any of the podcasts or any of the news articles that we're working on, you can check it out at issuesprogram.com. Yeah, do that. Listen to all the podcasts, read all the articles, comment away if you want, <laughs> or comment on my Facebook page, Issues Program, follow me on Twitter at I Got Issues Man. do whatever you want to do. It's a wet, disgusting day here in Massachusetts, and I have a wet dog. I can smell the wet dog from here. She went out, she cried, now she's digging a hole in the couch right now to try to find a dry spot, but she can't. It's like... <laughs> Oh, God, I was just going to say one of the worst jokes in the world. Just throw them around in flour till you find a wet spot. Now, I... <laughs> uh, how do you fuck a... How do you fuck a, uh, a rhino? Uh, you throw her, throw her in a bunch of <laughs> flour and you wait till you see the wet spot. Today is a glorious day. Today is a loving day. Yeah, let's get the love up there. Today on Friday or last night at midnight, Friday, November 22nd, the Xbox One was released at midnight. So far, from what I can hear, is getting really good responses from the people that I know that have got them. Uh, not as many technical glitches or system glitches as was happening with the PlayStation 4. So, scorecard goes to... No. <laughs> For whatever it's worth, people do have a couple of little issues with it here and there about how long it takes to update and things like that. But people, first reports are that the new Kinect works amazing and everything looks smooth and cool. And also, because no, no, I'm not going to talk about Xbox One. Uh-uh, I'm going to talk about some other loves here today. I'm going to talk about the real love that's coming out today. Today, ladies and gentlemen, it is the release of the brand new Super Mario game for the Wii U. That's right, the Mario Wii U version. Super Mario Brothers. 3D Land, uh, or I think 3D Land's the name of the 3DS title. I forget the exact title of this. And yeah, 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 maybe I should know the exact title if I'm going to talk about it, but no. It's the new Mario game for the Wii U. That's all you need to say. <laughs> and it's in the similar style from what I've been seeing as in the 3DS version. That's why it confuses me. People that are longtime listeners to this or even the Boston Bass Brigade website can know that probably know that Super Mario Brothers 3DS was one of my favorite games of a couple years ago when it came out. I feel like it was, in some ways, the most 
took the most risk in a Mario game, really was shooting for something special. And and in some ways, really hit a home run. It's not that I don't like Mario Galaxies or the Mario 64 or Sunshine. I mean, I talked about this a little bit last week. Mm. I felt like what 3DS did was take what I loved about those and married it with what I like about the 2D side-scrolling games and added this new element into it, this different kind of universe feel of that three-quarter view. And what this game is bringing in, the Super Mario Bros. Wii U game, it is bringing in co-op play, multiple play. I know the new Super Mario Bros. games did that, but it always felt like it was just a big bumbling mess. I never felt truly either in competition or in unison with the players that were going through that game. It just seemed like a bunch of people usually trying to struggle to catch up to the one person who was the Mario expert or that liked the fast Mario style rather than the slowly getting your way through the boards. What this game seems to have done is by giving each each player a different ability and adding a real competitive aspect to the game, it is allowing players to really have incentive to want to play with other people and really and feel a sense of competition or, again, unison or cooperation when you're working together to, to, to defeat Bowser's evil minions. And yes, in fact, Nintendo knowing just the right amount of nostalgia to throw into a brand new title is throwing in the option of playing with the four main characters from the American version of Super Mario Bros. 2. And each one of them with the same abilities. Because as much flack as that game gets and all the shit about, oh yeah, the American audience couldn't handle the real Super Mario Bros. 2, and a lot of people being having a bias towards American Super Mario Bros. 2 because it was fake, because it was a fake, because it was just a complete revamp, of a different game, if you call it Toki Toki Boom or whatever, whatever it's called, look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't have I don't have any fact checkers here right now. It's just me, so you'll have to deal with my weird pronunciations and strange memorization of simple simple facts that seem to confuse me on a t- on occasion. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yep. We have a texter that says, well, people need to get a Wii U to play that game. Yes, they do need to get a Wii U to play that game. But I'm going to do something that I wouldn't normally do. I'm going to say something that I wouldn't normally say. <laughs> no, it's nothing bad against Nintendo. It, it's actually that I think if you are considering buying a Wii U, if you're on the fence about it and Super Mario Brothers. The new Super Mario Brothers Wii U game really, really grabs you, and and it's something you you want to do. I might I might wait to see after Black Friday, or it's called Super Mario Brothers 3D World, and the uh, and the 3DS version was 3D Land, so it's 3D World. I recommend waiting for the holidays because because in the holidays you're going to see a lot of people going crazy for the PS3 and for the the Xbox One, and I do believe I do believe that it's going to leave a lot of Nintendo products on the shelves. And Nintendo's going to pr- should if they're intelligent price these products accordingly and really allow them to fly off the shelves. 
with the start on Black Friday, when everyone immediately runs in there to get those other two systems. And then when they're like, oh, I can't get either one of those. Oh, I've heard really good things about the Super Mario game. I'll give the Wii U a shot. And, and I think that's how they're going to have to clean up this holiday season. Maybe they won't. I think last generation, when they were coming into it with the Wii, Nintendo made all these statements like, we're not competing with the other two. It's We're a different market. And it's not the casual gamer. It's the people that have to play Nintendo games. The people that are obsessed about about having to play through all the brand new Nintendo games because they know Nintendo just as a game developer are one of the best out there and want to find the interesting elements that are that are attached to their games. And this is the misconception people have. The Wii U and the GameCube to a certain extent were or excuse me, the original Wii and the GameCube, to a certain extent, were kiddie-based because a lot of other companies decided to put out kiddie games. Nintendo games themselves are not, in my opinion, kiddie games. They are games that are usually good for all ages, but I'm sorry, some of the themes that are in Majora's Mask or in Ocarina of Time, or even in some Mario games here and there, are meant for all-age audiences, are meant to have jokes in there, similar to the old Warner Brothers cartoons, that ev- that people of all ages are going to find a different funny meaning to it, whether it be on a subtle, dirty hint or whatever. And then playing Pikmin or Smash Brothers at high levels, those aren't kiddie things. Yeah, sometimes kids can be really good at those things. I got my ass kicked by kids in Smash Brothers tournaments, that's for damn sure. But for... When it comes down to it, those games are just games for people who are fans of the industry and fans of, of awesome game developing and the subtlety that Nintendo puts into their games. And now moving into high definition, all the little touches that they're going to put into Super Mario Brothers 3DS. Excuse me, th- Super Mario Brothers Land. World. Jesus Christ. It's confusing with the names. There's a lot of Super Mario Brothers games and there's a lot of different things. So what I mean is with all the simple touches that they're putting into Super Mario Brothers World. So I think if Nintendo is very smart this generation, this generation, they can find their ways to find their niche and not necessarily compete with the other two, but complete compete on their own on their own scale. Because of the huge success that the 3DS is, and it continues to be, and will continue to be for a long time. And because of Nintendo's immense success in the Wii in the last generation, and and making so much money more, so much more money than it took to make and market that system, they're in a good position where they can really give us, give us the gamers some really interesting titles and put some time and effort into doing this. And I do believe that in the next couple of years, the games that are going to come out, the new Legend of Zelda game, the new Smash Brothers is going to be the greatest Smash Brothers ever. I'm convinced of it. The, the When they decide to have Nintendo work on a new Metroid game, it's going to be interesting. A new Punch-Out game for the Wii U. I mean, all these things that they're going to be able to do and some new franchises, not to mention everything that they've already done with Pikmin that I think is amazing and so next-gen feeling. And because of... And I'm stealing this from somebody that wrote this, but it's true. Nintendo's never been in high def before. So just seeing what these minds and these these game developers can do with high definition is such an amazing step up. I... And I can't wait to play Super Mario Bros. 3D World, and 
I do encourage people not to go out and buy Wii U's right now, but to wait until the holidays and watch everybody else go out there and go crazy over these other two things, and you're going to get some really good deals, and you're going to get some really fun games. Because even though there was a big... A game like Nintendo Land isn't good for sub for selling the system and having it be constantly keeping someone playing the system. But now that there's a few games, like real meaty games you can get yourself into, like Wonderful 101, Pikmin 3, and Super Mario Brothers World, it your a game like Nintendo Land is gonna seem that much better because of all the because of how fun that game is and how it feels like an extreme arcade collection. It has a very as funny as it is being called a a Nintendo Land, it almost feels like early arcade or Atari Land with polished graphics sometimes. And if you like to sit around with your friends and play a couple of those games and pass around the uh, pass around a controller and all take turns in a game, you can laugh at each other while they're playing. There's a couple of amazing titles in Nintendo Land. So in this holiday season, please, people, go out there and and take a look at the Wii U and grab a Wii U in the new Super Mario Brothers 3DS, uh, 3D Land. World, damn, I keep doing it. Super Mario Brothers 3D World that just came out today. Also, something that came out today, or last night, or whenever it came out, was the new Hunger Game movies. Movie. It wasn't a movies. It was a movie. <laughs> the new Hunger Game movie came out. And, oh, thank you, listener. Thank you. I appreciate you checking in. Join in. Join in the fun. Oh, and anyone that's listening, if you want to call in, whenever you're checking this out, whether it be on the uh, website later on or live right now, call or text in at 781-990-8509. That's 990-8509. Or you can email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com. Or tweet me at I got at I got issues man or write me on Facebook if you go on the wall of the issues program I will get all that shit if you want to talk to me at any point in time about anything you hear here 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 <laughs> anything to you, anything you listen to here that you disagree with or you may have issues with or any issues you have of your own that's going through your week as they're getting as your week is getting crazier and insane and you feel like you have to get some bitching out which is really what this show's all about for me more than anything, the issues program's therapy. Yeah. <laughs> therapy for me. And and you get to you get to peek in the eardrum of my sadistic mind. So yes, we were talking about uh Jen Lawrence, Jenny Lawrence, Jenny from the Block Lawrence and the new Hunger Games movie that also came out today. Jen she was also on Jennifer Lawrence was on the David Letterman show. And I I used to be a big watcher of these type of shows when I was a little kid. I was a huge fan of Johnny Carson. Mm. I would make it a point to sneak sneak out of my room late at night and go downstairs and turn on my television to watch episodes of Johnny Carson. He was just my favorite, and I don't think anybody before him or after him had mastered the art of that job. I think there's other people that do it pretty well. I think we're in an era of of right now where we have a couple people that are really decent at it. I think I think Jimmy Fallon has his moments, especially in the skits that he does. 
and 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 the format and things he does on his show. Uh, Chris Hardwick and Midnight right now is doing an excellent job in a similar sort of fashion. We have a different breed with the John Stewarts and the Stephen Colberts, but I consider them something different. But they, I mean, it's connected, but but it's a it's a themed show, so it's not that general audience type of thing. And then you get Jay Lano, which I was never a huge fan of, and David Letterman, who at times I've been a ridiculous fan of. I I wore thin of it, and of course Conan O'Brien. And I think, I think, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name, but I think, I think what's his name does a really good job too. Mister uh, used to be married to Sarah Sarah Silverman and was uh, on the Man Show. Jimmy Kimmel. I think Jimmy Kimmel does a very decent job, especially in the monologue. I find his monologue really funny. And to, to connect more to what I was saying about Stephen Colbert and John Stewart, I'd compare them more to the Bill Mars of the world and uh, Louis C.K., Chris Rock, uh, people like that that did similar sh- similar type shows where it's like comedians uh, using that as a for- as a format rather than people who are n- just, just seem to be naturally hosts or trying to do that, that blanket, <laughs> no pun intended for people looking at the visual right now, the blanket host thing. To me, no one, no one, and I think... Most people would probably, or at least I know David Letterman would agree, that no one was better at it than Magic Johnson. I'm, no one was better at it than Arsenio Hall. No one was better at it than Johnny Carson. He was the best. And, uh, and I think everyone else in some ways are doing a imitation of him. And at least that's what it feels like to me. Anyways, well... I don't usually check out the David Letterman show, and I just happen to be breezing by the channels, or I was doing something on the computer, working late night, and and what I was watching before was on the same channel, so the so Letterman just happened to stay on, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give Letterman a shot, and it was right as he was bringing out his first guest, and it was Jennifer Lawrence, and on David Letterman, now, Dave, I'm reading a news story by somebody, so so mind you, what I'm about to say it's not my own words. Yeah, yeah. Should I take the news story, cut it up, and make my own words? Yeah, I should do that. And you should fucking get your own show and do it too. Motherfucker. <laughs> I like to grip and rip. So in David Letterman, a man who has shunned the social media dominance of his younger late night peers. Okay. Your antics with America's uh, bestie last night made you an unwitting viral candidate. So you could simply just say that David Letterman hasn't been someone who's gone to the point of releasing a lot of uh, videos of parts of his episodes on social media sites to get the buzz attention that Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and Conan O'Brien are all doing. Whatever. Who cares? You know, Letterman's going to retire. He just wants to out. He just wants to outlast Jay. He wants Jay Leto to retire so he can do a few more years more than Jay Leto and go, fuck you, I want to dance on your grave. So, uh, whatever. So, Jennifer Lawrence was on a show, and I was watching this. This is why, like, I just needed the story to kind of back up what I was talking about to make sure I wasn't dreaming this. She was just insane. Like, insane in a really funny, real way, and it's kind of difficult... I've seen her in other interviews, and she definitely wasn't like that. I don't know if she gets along with Letterman. As you can see in the picture, if you're watching the video stream of this, they're cuddling under a blanket at one point, and we'll get this in the story. But they they were very close and buddy-buddy and, and almost, if I didn't know any better, flirty. And I mean, maybe they were playing parts, doing it, acting on 
doing it. But I got to give Letterman credit for getting this out of her because I've seen her in other interviews and I don't did not see the same person I saw here. So, so the the host was left speechless several times during the Hunger Games goddess visit as she went on about her uh, t- her gas her her GERD problems, her gastrological problems, and how her Hunger Games co-star Woody Harrelson made her crap her pants once during the on set, like literally shit her pants, and. But Letterman also said a few things that were really funny when he joined a. Uh, joined her underneath a fluffy blanket and then proceeded to fix her hair that was recently cut and he said do you ever get so cold that you start sweating is that just a gross problems i have lawrence said no answered letterman i didn't know that was a problem for human anatomy to behave that way after complaining of being cold a gentleman named pat brought lawrence a bubblegum pink comforter and they cuddled together but the fun didn't stop there. She recounted her last trip to the ER where she said she had an ulcer, but it turned out to be a falser. And we don't know what that means. She said she, said she shit her pants. You can only shit your pants so many times a day before going to the emergency room. <laughs> and so basically it was all about her, her problems with her belly and how she constantly shit her pants during the filming of the new Hunger Games movie and had to go see the emergency room. Go to the emergency room doctors and deal with a lot of fucked up situations. If anyone, again, if anyone's listened to the issues program over the last of the co- last couple of years, or I've maintained to, to keep one or two listeners because of some of the disgusting things I talk about on this show, you know I can relate to these gastrological problems and can really and can really just really connect to this and. And I've just felt, I, I was like, it's not just me. It's not just me. Someone else wants to talk about this shit. Literally, this shit. <laughs> we got a brief little story here that I want to talk about that I just think is funny. So, so with the Jennifer Lawrence thing, check out the David Letterman clip if you can. It's all over the place. So check that, check that out if you can. So right here we've got... Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson hugging in the visual, if you can't see it, in Foot Locker's Week of Greatness at uh, the Cleveland, blah, blah, blah. There's, uh, there's been a bunch of decent Foot Locker commercials recently. There's a 60-second ad that flashed into a series of infamous sports decisions with alternate endings. Mike Tyson returns Evander Holyfield's ear, and they hug it out. Brett Favre, the quarterback known for repeatedly quitting and returning to football, finally knows when to walk away, and Dennis Rodman gets a one-way trick to trip to North Korea. They're funny commercials and if you can see, and if you can watch them I think the best part of it is the Mike Tyson returning its ear to, <laughs> returning the ear to Vander Holyfield. Uh, I also wanted to bring up that I watched uh, Mike the, Mike Tyson's Undisputed Truth thing special that's on HBO which is I believe is a special of his his uh, stand up thing or his one man show that he did. And and I'm connecting this to something else I'm talking about, about Eddie Murphy, because everyone's doing one-man shows. And I guess the only way we're going to get Eddie Murphy to come back to stand-up comedy is through one of these one-man shows. I heard, uh, I watched the interview with Arsenio, and then read a little bit on he's got a band, and he's working on a new album that's just about to be released, and he hopes to do a kind of two-hour touring show eventually that... He said is probably 50% comedy, 50% music, and the comedy will be in between songs and sets, like like play a couple songs, do a little bit, a little bit of stand up, play a couple more songs. So similar to a Bette Midler show, 
So going to see so going to see an Eddie Murphy show will be similar to going to see Bette Midler. Which I saw Bette Midler and that was fun. So yeah, so if you get a chance, go check out these commercials. They're really they're really a lot of fun. And especially this Mike Tyson one. And if you're watching this on YouTube or the visual stream right now, you can see Mike and Evander Holyfield hugging it out. A couple gifts. <laughs> so, uh, so here we go. Uh, courtesy of uh, a media group, this Satch Media Group. A lot of people have been putting this stuff on the interwebs or in their Facebook or Twitter feeds. This story, it was pictures of celebrities if they were alive today and what each one of them would look like. I wanted to read this story because I was because I saw the pictures before I read this this and I'm curious how they how they did this. I mean, some of it looks like the cheesy technology that like Conan O'Brien uses on his show to change people's appearances. But I'm curious what they did. So here comes an eerie fascination of artist renditions of what legendary rock artists would look like today. Uh, the site, in conjunction with Fojo, posted not just the pictures, but speculations about what place each artist would hold in the cultural blah, blah, blah. For instance, Nirvana lead singer Kurt Cobain would have explored smaller, less commercial projects. Uh, Bob Marley's hair would have been a dream partner for stars like the Fugees. And John Lennon was, would have almost certainly stayed with Yoko Uno. Uno. <laughs> Yoko Uno. I love that game. That's one of my favorite board games. Yoko Uno. So let's take a look at some of these pictures. I'm not going to read about the cultural significance shit. We'll we'll speculate on that ourselves, folks. That's what we're going to do because it's our party and we'll cry if we want to. Cry if we want to. Cry if I want to. You would cry too if you married a Jew. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shabbat shalom, my friend. Shabbat shalom. Oh, by the way, uh, a couple of people have texted. If you want to call or text in, you can do that at 781-990-8509 if you want to join in the fun. Or if you want to uh, call and give me your opinions, you can also email me or tweet me at I Got Issues Man. And the email would be I Got Issues Man at gmail.com. Tweeting is just I Got Issues Man. Or write me on Facebook under the Issues Guy or the Issues Program, excuse me. Issues Guy will bring you to my actual page, and you, then you can stalk me. Mm. Ooh, we have a telephone call. A telephone call from Gotti. Hello, Gotti. Welcome to the show. Um, hi, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm having a, I'm having a good time. That's good. You look like you're having a good time. I am. Today is, today is, a, today is a good day. Today is a good day. Yeah. But, but first of all, what we're going to do, get to this first person here. Uh, these are, I don't know if you saw these pictures, or if you can see the visuals. I haven't seen them. Okay, so our first one is John Lennon. Here's John Lennon. There we go. That's what John Lennon would look like today, apparently. I'm not seeing him on the the website here. It's you're on uh you're in delay. Oh, I understand. Yeah, you'll you will it'll be coming up in probably about thirty seconds. Oh, there he. Yeah, that's. Oh, you know, he he finally got. Oh, he sort of turned into Eric Idle. A little bit. A little bit. You see it. You see it. I definitely see it. I I gotta say this one is is generally I think pretty accurate to how John Lennon might look like today. He probably would have got it the is. laser eye surgery, so he'd no longer be wearing the glasses. I do believe he might. I, I'm. 
it's funny when you talk a lot for a show or anything, you get into a habit of saying certain things. Right now, I'm in a mm-hmm. habit of, in a non-Southern way, saying, I do believe. And I'm saying it normally, and every time I say it, it flashes in my mind. Hey, Rose, I do believe. Yeah, exa- exactly. I do believe. And, and funny, <laughs> funny, what made me think about that was Pardon. because I didn't realize there was a Golden Girls uh, uh, spinoff series, briefly. I don't know why this is making me oh, go in the... Oh, you mean Golden, Golden Palace? Yeah, I, I never knew that existed. Oh, that was terrible. I never knew it existed. It was it was yeah. it was interesting. Like I was reading about they, they package it with Golden Girls first syndication because it was only like a half season, I think. Interesting. I was uh I'm recently rewatching Scrubs and and I was reading about and thinking about the last season of Scrubs. I was thinking about other shows that have done that, you know, Archie Bunker's place, things like that. And yep. and it, with the with uh with the de- the death of the real life Edith, uh it, so it got me reading a little bit and they were t- and I was reading an article about worst worst uh spin-off series ever and and I was like oh my god there was a golden girls uh spin-off series and B Arthur didn't do it it was like B Arthur smart enough to stay away from this piece of crap well and of course the point of the golden girls was that you know B Arthur was the center and all the other characters like played off of her yeah it's easy it's easy to so- th- it's easy to think about it now because of who Betty White is and how big she was she was she she and Blanche were both uh, secondary char- characters and uh, and what's her name? Uh, the the mother. I I know her real name. Uh, Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty. But what was her Sophia. name on the show? Sophia Petrillo. S- Sophia. Yes. Yeah. Golden Girls. Great show. Great show. Okay, so we're moving on. We're moving on to a couple ones I don't care too much about. So we're just gonna flash quickly. Uh, Keith Moon, which is I don't really care about. He'd be drunker. Let's say that. Um, Janis Joplin. Who's a lot prettier in her older age than she was as a performing artist? And uh, here we go. Here is. Keith Moon looks like Eric Idle. They all look like Eric Idle. They all look like Eric Idle. Okay, I forget. You're a few seconds okay. behind. We're we're at Janis Joplin here, and uh, Janis Joplin doesn't look like Eric Idle. No, she doesn't. She she like I said, she actually looks prettier than prettier than normal. She's got a good smile, and she seems to have quit drinking. You no. Know- who she dated in high school. Who's that? Um, you know, do you ever watch The Closer or Major Crimes? I've 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 watched The Closer, yes. Okay, you know um Provenza? Mm-hmm. He's been in oh, he was in the um uh, uh police academy movies. They dated in, in in high school. Who who is he in Police Academy? He was the one who um I can't remember the character's name. The the dog peed on him. Okay. Um, yes. Yes. I do know the character. That was the... James G W Bailey. Yep. The oh, actor. Interesting. Okay. So here we yeah. here we got Janis Joplin, and here we go to some of the, I think the comical ones, so to speak. Let's go. Let's go, everybody, to the king, Elvis Presley. So, so here is Elvis, and this literally looks like we'll, we'll get Gotti's delayed reaction here. This looks like someone took a picture of Elvis and just like threw baby powder on his face or something like that. They just they just really cheesily photoshopped some what wrinkles. The hell? That's what. What, did, what? When the aliens put him back together, did they have a bad photo? Come on, Elvis would look like Kenny Rogers now. He'd have that like. 
he'd have that plastic face. If you don't think Elvis would have gone crazy with plastic surgery, Elvis would look like young Elvis still. Unless, <laughs> unless, um, uh, oh my God, uh, uh, Priscilla decided that, you know, he needed to go for a more natural kind of a look, look I for guess, marketing but, purposes. I guess, but look at her. She decided that, that thin Elvis was going to sell. <laughs> but, but if you look at her, like, she, she definitely went the plastic surgery route, and she looked young into her, oh, yeah. into her later years. So you've got to figure that at a certain point, if Elvis would have survived that, he would have had to kick all the bad habits he was doing and probably would have gone on the health kick. I just get a, I get a feeling like he would, or the health plastic surgery kick or maybe smoking a lot of yeah, weed you know who he looks like he looks like bill clinton's father mm. i can see that i could definitely see that so here we go to another pretty pretty comical one this is bob marley and this just looks plain stupid this looks like they just took a picture of bob marley and pasted gray dreadlocks and this looks like the fakest of of most of the pictures <laughs> It's it's ridiculously bad, and I, I. It's time to play the music. Yeah, he it's looks time to light the light. He looks like a Muppet. They've made they've made him look yeah. they've made him look like one of those uh one of those giant things that dance around the giants in the Muppets that uh come dancing out you know da 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 yeah oh it's yep. it's awful so we're on to Mr. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> Who just looks like he's eaten a few too many Twinkies. I guess he fixed his uh, stomach problem and uh, and now he eats pretty well because he looks a little beefy. That's all they really did to Kurt Cobain. They kind of beefed him up. And uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah, Jeff Foxworthy. He's still wearing the grunge shirt, though. They made sure they put him in the grunge shirt. And this, to me, this last one that we're just switching to right here is the most like offensive oh, one. Yeah, his wardrobe never got updated. Yeah, they never updated what is his Courtney thinking. Yeah, he's still wearing the same stuff. And last but certainly not least, we have we have someone that burned Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> they, they they put some gasoline on a on a picture of Jimi Hendrix and burned it, and that's what we have here. We have Sammy. This is like from some special episode of the Jeffersons where <laughs> George like takes pity on an employee. Who, who can't buy uh, Christmas presents for his family. <laughs> I don't know what. It, it, it looks it looks robbed. It looks pretty 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 bad. So so we're gonna move we're gonna move on here. And and I found an interesting article about how the future Who's the last one again? Uh, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> okay. Yes. Sorry, I just no, no, it's hard. To, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trouble it. I don't fault you. It, it was difficult to tell. It, that jet, honestly, it yeah. looked, it looked more like uh, Sammy Davis Jr. with a bad haircut. It, it did not look like Jimi Hendrix. So I found an interesting article about how the future is now, and and uh, Star Trek I things. No laboratories. We. <laughs> For geeks growing up in the 1960s and the 80s and the 90s, a vision of the future has always been provided by one successful television series, Star Trek. And the future, it turns out, is coming sooner than Trek writers could have imagined. Here are 12 gizmos used on the Star Trek television show that are now... They forgot the animated series in the 70s. It's true, they did forget the animated series. The animated series gets forgotten a lot, and I, and I think it's it's... 
if you can get past some of the cartoon tropes that are in it, all the real actors, all the real actors do the voices. And there is some really interesting stuff, especially with interplay with the characters, that's even on a slightly next level than the original series that was still stuck in that time, not the time warp, Mm -hmm. of of the times. So you get a little bit more of how the real cast would act in if it was made in the eighties and the nineties, you know what I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's the seventies, but you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's a little more dialogue heavy and kind of fun. I, I, I enjoy the animated series. Yeah, it is fun. It's fun. I mean, it's nothing special, but it's, but it's fun. So the first thing, no, the, the first thing on this list and some of these things I, I have arguments about because, cause I didn't know these really, these are, tr- these are true. <laughs> Number one is the food replicator. Captain Jean-Luc Picard used to say, what did he used to say? And it would replicate instantly. Today's 3D printers don't tackle tea, but machines like the Fab at Home can actually print food. And other printers like the MakerBot Replicator 2 are quite adept at making small objects, just like they were shown on later episodes of The Next Generation in Deep Space Nine and Voyager. So, so the question here is is okay we seem to get we seem to be hinting in the direction where we can soon or maybe in the next 10 to 15 years have food replicators will food replicators have the same effect in the world or will replicators have the same effect in the real world that they did in the star trek world will it cause world peace do you think no no absolutely not okay don't be ridiculous no. i know well first of, well first of all why would why would, what we're gonna go and give everybody the freaking replicators? Right, they're we, gonna be free. Do we turn into the replicator wars? Is this what this is gonna You're turn? You're gonna tell me that you know little people in villages in Sri Lanka are gonna know how to use them? Yep. I mean, but that's the thing, and <laughs> have and have the supplies that go into them to keep them being because they're not pulling stuff from the air like they are on the Enterprise. They're printing with. I assume it's like the Coca-Cola machines that allow you to print every Coca-Cola drink mm-hmm. where they have um, cassettes. I mean, not necessarily with cassettes, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those have cassettes with each flavor that Coca-Cola has and you can make your mix. Right, right. Um, I hear what you're saying. So The base what, chemicals of it. Exactly. It's going to have a set of base chemicals. That you're going to have to load your printers just like you load your printer with ink. You're going to have to load it with, oh, I have to load it with 10 elements or something or whatever it is. Exactly. So you better hope that Amazon delivers, you know, (laughs) that stuff to your country. So that's the thing is, will that, and I agree with you, it won't. It will turn into a money grab for it rather than the potential great effects of this, which would be to to use the technology to to just build them in every everywhere which would just wouldn't happen it's this is going to cause so much pro, so many problems if this actually comes oh, true it's going to be it, it's going to be bad 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 it would it would be you know actually i mean it it probably wouldn't be bad because it would get distributed the way it would get distributed yeah. you know developed countries would have it have them um, I think ev- I think eventually it would be good, but you would need someone would need to come out and say, "Listen, guys, on Star Trek, these weren't used by companies to make money; these were used to create world harmony, and that's what we need to do." And, and it just all needs to happen. You know what I'm saying? It can't. It it 
at well, first, it, it's like, going to take a while for this to work out, is what I'm saying. If they're not used by companies to make money, then there's going to be no incentive for anybody to make them. I hear you. I hear you. So you know what I mean. So I mean, we you know we make you know we we make drugs and we sell them in the third world. We don't sell them for the same price we do here. It's sort of a you know, as people like to say now that they pretend they know about about uh, healthcare systems, <laughs> it's it's about subsidy and 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 risk pools. But basically, you know, we we. They're not paying the full price. We're selling to them. Yeah. And I think you said, a key, I think the key thing that you said in everything you said that makes the most sense is unlike Star Trek, this isn't being, this isn't creating molecules out of thin air to create this. No. It is using, it's going to be using actual hard chemicals or hard item, whatever, whatever it, sources. It might as well use you know, apples from America and vanilla from exactly. You know, it's just going to be it's, Madagascar. It's just going to be a better way of of transmitting. It's going to be a better way of of uh, yeah of of getting it of getting it across. So, on number two on this list is something that I do think would be very beneficial. The, un- the Universal Translator. In several episodes, we've marveled at the Universal Translator, which uh, decoded what aliens in real time and in later shows, uh, and in later shows it was in- integrated into a communication badge, which explains why basically everyone, regardless of home planet, spoke English. Now, there is an app for that. Voice Translator by Talera Apps understands 71 languages. Not Klingon yet. Ha ha ha. You speak oh, it. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> someone, someone's hacked it and put, put all the Star Trek languages in it. You speak in your native tongue and the app translates your phrase into another language. So it's basically a take on items that already existed in the past where you could where you could input your your stuff like a Fisher Price thing into into a thing and it goes, This is what you're saying in this different language. And so but I think an actual universal translator. Uh, which I think is one of the cooler things created in Star Trek uh, and the way it was used in the Deep Space Nine episode, Little Green Men, when Quark uh, and the rest of them go down to the planet and and mm-hmm. the, the universal translators don't work. So we hear the native Ferengi for, the fir- for the first time, basically, because we're like, oh, yeah, duh, they're using universal translators. So if something like this really exists, I, I think this is amazing. What do, what do you think? Um. No. Oh, because you're a linguistic and you learn languages. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've studied all of this in college and grad school. Um, but uh, well, no, I haven't studied like advancing Elvis's face. But um, but no, um, it it, it it's not there yet. It's 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 nowhere near there yet. Right. Um. Have you ever used Google Trans- Translate? Oh God, or yeah, yeah, absolutely. Translate or well, that's the basis of any of these programs, and they they're just nowhere near where they would have to be to the to the sense to, where um, to to the sense where we would make that feasible, right? To the sense where we wouldn't need actual translators to get to get real translation done. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, you're still very much at danger saying, may I please eat your toilet, <laughs> you know. I mean, I I wouldn't try, you know, I, I can use them in a lot of languages because I know what 
I know I have some idea of what the target language should look like. Right. So you can you can kind of analyze it to a point and understand where the mistakes are, similar to the way that exactly. autocorrect would. Even if I can't fix the mistakes, per, you know, perfectly, I know that it's a that it's pretty much saying what I want it to. I'm like, okay, the case is wrong, or you know, something like that. But it basically says what I want. Yep. Uh, the next one on this list is a pretty obvious one. Oh, whoops, that's the wrong one. That that gave away what the next ones are, but whatever. It uh, Tablet computers. Lieutenant Commander Jordi LaForge, you know, it's funny, this article that I p- plucked this from were for people that don't know anything about Star Trek. So Lieutenant Commander Jordi LaForge, you know, the guy from Reading Rainbow, uses tablet contr- computer, <laughs> what's called a personal access data device, p- pad to punch in coordinates for the next star system. Other Starfleet personnel use them to watch video, listen to music, or just use things like uh, the, uh, just, you know, just to read read your script from or read a book on. So we can say that, we don't really have to talk much about this one, but we can say with with pretty certain, pretty much certainty that, that Star Trek, that because of Star Trek, the iPad was created. It, and I, I mean, I don't think this is, I don't think this is really in doubt. I, they wanted to make Star Trek toys. They did it. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something like that that came before Star Trek, and I can't. And yeah, I know. I, I there may be, but I, I, I want to yeah. say I might not. I might be making this up, and this might be a little bit of fan fiction. But I do. I was just gonna say it again. I do believe. I I I believe I I believe I read somewhere that that uh that in, on one of these specials on the History Channel where it was like Star Trek items come to life and they interviewed some yes. Apple executives yes, yes. and I believe they said that Steve Jobs was very influenced by Star Trek and wanted to make real life Star Trek items so I believe there mm-hmm. I, I might be making that up but that might be fan fiction as I said no I think I've seen the same thing um, Steve Steve Jobs was influenced by the products manufactured by all sorts of companies. So it wouldn't be surprising if that particular Paramount product influenced him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh... um, I, it, the, the, the one thing about the pad that I thought was interesting in the, I, I don't have it anymore, but the Star Trek Next Generation Technical Manual, mm-hmm. um, it said that if you were, you know, walking, theoretically, you could walk down the hallways of the Enterprise and, you know, control the ship, mm-hmm. but that it would be sluggish because it took so much data. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Like, I, I don't know what it means exactly for, you know, the ship, but yeah. I thought it was really interesting that, you know, they, they put, they decided that that was a good detail to put in. I love, that's what I love about, I mean, what it, I'll geek out here for a second. That's what I love about Star Trek in general and when it works, and, and especially in Next Generation through Deep Space Nine, when the techno babble serves to, you can see how it was really worked out, how they really, if they're like, mm-hmm. we're going to use this, we need to get a story behind this that makes sense in our own world. I mean, at later times, it's like, oh, I get the magic who's a what's that can do the who's easy. I mean, it, every, right. every show, ha- except for maybe... Every show, even a show like Breaking Bad, has those moments where you can be like, ah, okay, I don't know. But but I feel like Star Trek, specifically, when it's really great, is when those things really work out and they're amazing. So next on our list, we have the Tricorder. 
in the TV show, the tricorder is, excuse me, the tricorder is a handheld device scanning for geological and biological and meteorological anomalies. Handy, recently Peter Jansen from McMaster University in Ontario built a working prototype that scans for magnetic fields and other interferences. And there are a lot of other real-world tricorders as well. So Trivia? Last I checked, and it was within a couple of years, um, all versions of tricorder that had been trademarked, the trademark had lapsed. So if somebody makes, like, there's an X prize for making a tricorder, I don't know why somebody just doesn't freaking make one. Yeah, I, I guess that's you what this, yeah, I guess this guy in Ontario is is doing. He, uh, he, he's, yeah. pro, he's, pro, with a, by making a working proto, prototype, he's probably going to go for the patent and probably has a patent pending or something. I'm watching Shark Take late, mm-hmm. lately, so I'm using patent pending and things like that. So, so we, we move on again to, <laughs> to our next one. I love Shark Take. Me too. I, I'm like um, obsessed with it recently. I haven't watched the. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, I go through. I like Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, he's he's funny. He's uh very tongue in cheek and uh and I just I enjoy the vibe of the show. It's just a it's a good quality reality program if you're into the into the vibe and you see people and you see a lot of items that you're like oh I've seen that in stores and and I, I kind of dig that. So next up on the next. Oh, oh, but I have to one thing about the last thing. Yep. Was, which was wait, what, what was the last thing? Tri tricorder. Tricorder. Um, yeah, the patent, uh, not the patent, the trademark has, has lapsed in the U.S. So you could actually get a U.S. trademark on that, which I believe under current trademark rules might secure that name elsewhere, too. But anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. Like, you could call it a, a tricorder. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you and I think yeah. I think if you put that out, it would sell like it would sell like hotcakes. I think a lot of people would buy the tricorder. Just 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 yes. just for just for fun. And it would tell you how hot the hotcakes were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could use it in the kitchen. It could be you could you can use it in the kitchen. You can use it as a metal detector. You can use it. Uh, blah blah blah. Anything you want to do with the tricorder from blub from Gotti Productions. <laughs> So, so next up on this list is the holodeck. Now, the Star Trek Next Generation, you can walk into a chamber on board the Enterprise and have a visit to your home planet for a quick barbecue or even have an affair with a hologram. Leave it to a bunch of University of Southern California students to make a virtual reality a little bit more down to earth. Project Holodeck uses virtual reality goggles to create a fictional world. No, though, no encounters, no encounters with Vulcan love slaves quite yet um, have been reported. So I, I do. This is one of those things so that they didn't make a holodeck. No, no, they made they made virtual reality glasses that could. Oh, please. Who, who hasn't made virtual reality glasses and used it to pretend you had a holodeck? So I, so this is my problem here. I do. I do think that I do think that uh uh, start broadcast. Start recording again. Uh, I do believe that. I think the technology. I pu- I put out a story earlier in this week about whoa. Do you hear that bang over here? Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's there's cra- crazy animal itis. We have uh, three cats and a dog circling around Issue Studios here. It's 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 like a holodeck program. It's it's going crazy. Uh, I do think that there will be technology. I'm more impressed by the advances in that story I put out where 
the people can kind of reach through a screen and touch things. I think that's close. That's in a closer. Yeah. That's in a closer direction to holodecks. Virtual reality has well, been around you for could years. Build a room where the screen is the door. Exactly. Exactly. And or, or something, you know, along those lines. Right. So, so I think that's cl- that's a closer approximation to getting to the point of Tron or, or holodecks or things like that. I don't think a bunch of idiots in in uh, Southern California stood making virtual reality glass. I don't doubt that it's cool. I've I played with virtual reality, oh, and and at times it's re- sure, but it's not it's a holodeck. holodeck. It's not a holodeck. You're reaching here, article. You're you're reaching, so so next, communicate. You know, oh, keep going. Yeah, you know how they explain the holodeck. That didn't aliens didn't aliens come and do it? Wasn't it like an alien technology? No, um, or it may have been because I think. Remember that episode that the the, like the, the aliens story, came. I feel like. I'm sorry. I, I know, just, weren't they reconstructing the alien? With the episode, aliens came and were kidnapped. They kidnapped people from the ship. But they were reconstructing the alien table. Okay, because I, I thought that for some reason I thought there was an episode where aliens come to fix the holodeck or to upgrade it, and Picard comes back on the ship to grab his horse saddle, and and you no, know, what they're doing is there's some toxic substance that builds up from warp drive. Oh, okay, and okay. they're cleaning the Enterprise. Okay, good. Uh, from the substance. I love that we were so, both remembering the same episode, though. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love that. And, and there's the, the guy who gets stuck making, or he actually loves making small talk with Data. It's, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but no, according to the technical manual, it is um, the, the holodeck, they, they make, um, the replicator makes whatever you want mm-hmm. oh. um like matter puppets basically so it's and using there the... are it uses those with um tractor beams and you know scrolling floors and transporters and replicators to to uh create the environment you want interesting so, so it's it... really yeah it's a mix of all the other technologies so so we need to we need to get this uh, replicator technology that we were talking about earlier up to up to par before we can really have a holodeck with real things we can interact with. Exactly, but I I think I think the <clears throat> the screen thing you were talking about would be would be a pretty cool approximation. Yeah, it's know, it, it's the it's a, a good it's in the right direction. So next up, we have our communicator badges, which is one of these things that I, I wonder why isn't invented yet, because we have the technology for this. On the Star Trek series, Kirk and the crew carried handheld communicators, but in Star Trek The Next Gen- Generation, Starfleet personnel wore communicator badges, one of the best upgrades from the old cast to the new cast, because you didn't have to carry these bulky, bulky uh, communicators. Uh, California startup called Vorsia has created a similar device to pin on your shirt. They're mostly used in hospitals to avoid having constant overheard pages, which I think this is an awesome application for this technology for people using in hospitals with doctors and stuff. I think that's a great first step. I think then you can integrate it into having security or police personnel that are working events use them or event staff or even like theater people that are doing backstage stuff. I think this is... 
I think if they can get this technology working, this is something you'll see. I think it's a, it would be a lot more effective than than anybody in the in anywhere in their right mind that think that watches are going to take over again. That instead of using cell phones, everyone's going to get the you know watches and it's going well, to. Um, and we did watches in in the motion the motion picture. Yeah, we did. We did. It wasn't but, pretty. And I think ba- I think badges or something that hooks on or a magnet that attaches to your shirt or something like that, and then can. Do one of those broad yep. eventually do a broadcast so you have a computer in front of you or blah blah blah. I think this is an awesome technology. Uh, next up on the list, I don't know if I have a picture for this one. Yes, I do. Is the tractor beam pulling a ship with an invisible tractor beam? So it's impossible. But uh, two always seemed impossible. But two New York University professors are making it so. <laughs> see where they did there? <laughs> making it so. Uh, I see what they did there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see that? <laughs> uh, their experiment. <laughs> Which uses a <laughs> their experiment, which uses a light beam to control a tiny microscopic particle, is not going to be deployed on the next NASA mission. But it shows we're making progress. So okay, they're making progress, moving microscopic uh, items with a tractor beam. Are they sure it's not? I don't know anything else but the tractor beam, like a subtle move in the Earth's core that's causing this. But okay, we're getting there, I guess. Uh, whatever. Uh, next on the list is one I didn't get when I was reading it, but, but, uh, but we'll see how this, how this get, how this manifests itself here. Uh, natural language queries. In Star Trek universe, you can talk to a computer voiced by, uh, voiced by who? Miss, uh, Miss Barrett Roddenberry herself. Waxana Troy. I, I don't want to try to pronounce her first name. Is it Ma- Majel? Majel. Majel. Majel Barrett. Majel Barrett. In a casual conversation. She's very nice, or she was a very nice person. Yeah, she was. And and I think... I, I met her at con, at a con. Yeah, you were telling me about that. And I think she is an amazing actress because when I've heard anybody that's had interactions with her in real life, she was such an amazing, amazing, positive, like friendly individual and walks on a Troy is such a incredible douchebag and pulls it off so incredibly well. It's- I love her. You know what the funny thing is when uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry offered her the part, he mm-hmm. said, you know, we have a part for you, dear. And the best thing is, you don't have to do any acting at all. Oh, that's horrible. That's so mean. <laughs> Gotta love Gene Roddenberry's <laughs> sense of humor. <laughs> so, so these days, we've got uh, C- Apple Siri and Google's Now. And while they aren't fully developed systems, they are baby steps towards the surface like the Star Trek computer. And I agree. And I, and I do want... I, Google even named their code name their voice based service Major in honor of Major Barrett Roddenberry. And I do think and this Major. is one of these things I've been talking about for a while that I think should be some sort of technology that you can get or they just need to get stars to do this. I want if I get Siri or if I had that Google talk or when I have my computer talk to me, I want her voice. Mm-hmm. I want her voice to be doing it. Or if my GPS, yeah. I want Mr. T to be my GPS voice. How do I get Mr. T to be my GPS voice? I think you should be able to buy stars as your GPS voice. Like, like I want, I want Patrick Stewart. I want Ian McKellen. Well, I want. There are you can you can do that already. Oh, you can. Okay, good. Know, yeah, but the, you're what you're talking about is um, two different kinds of. of um, Technologies. Yeah, technology. Yeah. Um, one of them is um, 
is uh, I guess morphological concatenation mm-hmm. where the recordings are at the word level. That's where I've, I've worked, you know, um, please enter your card number. Now <laughs> the card number you've entered is not valid. You know, whatever. It's all at the like sentence or word mm-hmm. level. What they've also got now um, is you read a bunch of words that uh, the actor does, and that will give the engineers every sound combination. In Interesting. So, so they multiply so your them, voice and can, can create your voice to say anything that they want you to say. Exactly. Exactly. That is so cool. Um, And scary. They, you know, and that, well, it doesn't, it's not 100%. You can't really, you know, you you don't really hear it yet. Right. You Um, could, you could, you couldn't change it so someone could call someone's best friend and be like, I fucked your sister last Tuesday. (laughs) No, it has a bit of a, it has a bit of a sound like this. (laughs) You know, that's what Siri, that's what Siri is. I, I worked on, um, Actually, not that side of Siri, the, the back end of Siri um, oh. the, that does the voice recognition. Interesting. But we also did the same thing that took the voice of the speaker and split it up and figured out what each part of the sound was. That's interesting because I, I've been recently futzing around with uh, with the Dragon speech to text software. That's how I've been writing like a that's lot of my what I, yeah a lot of my articles. I, that's and stuff. what I was working for. Yeah, and it's it's interesting there, because they have you repeat paragraphs and and read things in the in the stage of of the testing to make it so it attaches to my voice. And if I if I'm yep. if I'm speaking in my normal comfortable voice like this when I'm talking like this it picks me up I mean some days if you know my mouth hurts or something like that and like I got punched in the face or something or or have one of those glorious uh canker sores it and then it won't pick me up quite as well and there's certain sections where it's not perfect and also for other reasons that I can mention after the show to you uh it 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 also isn't quite perfect so so well and uh consider consider that on Star Trek you can be injured. You can be barely conscious. You can be, you know, in, it, in any condition, agitated, angry, sad. And to go and to it will, pick it up, yeah. Yeah, it will just, it will, it will figure out what you're saying. And what I also like, and this is, uh, I guess, fanboyism again for Deep Space Nine, as usual, I love how on Deep Space Nine specifically, it happens occasionally on Next Generation with Jordy, but it happens a lot with O'Brien on Deep Space Nine when the computer program isn't perfect because on DS, uh, they're using an associate of Cardassian technology, so you see the, how it's the technology isn't quite perfect, so you get Miles, especially towards the beginning, arguing a lot with the computer. No, computer, you're, yeah. not, you're not getting what I'm saying here. Bubble XYZ, XYZ. So next on the list, number nine, we have ludicrous speed. I mean, warp drive. Uh, no one in the Star Trek ever sits down and explains how warp drive works in detail. Well, I bet I'm sure Gotti can answer that a little bit. <laughs> but we, yes, actually, they do. In the last, even I can answer this. In the last season, when they get into the whole thing about how warp drives destroying the uh, the, the, oh, the space yeah. and shit, and and then they have to just go around that for the because they wanted to make some uh, environmental message or something but 
But okay, so no, so the, the article, this article I'm reading says no one ever ex- explains how warp drive works in detail, but we know it has something to do with the bending of space and traveling faster than the speed of light. Doesn't seem possible, but no. Antimatter and, <laughs> and ma- matter yeah. are released from their containers, and they they like cause an explosion that's directed through the crystal lattice, and that. It causes something to happen. Come on, laddie. So we're just going to skip over this one. Fuck them. Number 10 is the phaser. Captain Kirk was pretty handy with a phaser, but he didn't always set to stun. Ha ha ha. Ironically, we've been using something similar since the first Iraq war known as the Dazzler. The directional directed energy weapon sends a pulse of electromagnetic radiation to stop someone cold in their tracks but not kill them. Cool. Cool. I don't care too much about this, um, but cool. Except... The phaser is phased energy rectification. This, ar- this article is making some reaches, no, no doubt, to get to 12. They could have had – they could have – we have two more on this list. But I think it's okay, safe, to, okay. it's safe okay. to say – no, 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 no. I'm not cutting you off, but it's safe to say that – No, no, no. I – that that yes that that this before we geek completely geek out crazy and find the writer of this article and kill them it it's safe to say that they they were pushing for there was a word count limit here because they could have done five good ones but instead they're stretching this out to 12 (laughs) and and i'm sorry the phaser and uh and uh and tractor beam in national in a warp drive really uh, shouldn't be on this list. The holodeck shouldn't be on the list either. But uh, the last the last two are interesting. Teleportation, which again I can always already say that teleportation here probably shouldn't be on this list. To get from one place to another, Captain Kirk and company did not need an airplane. They did not need a space elevator. Instead, they teleported on the USS Enterprise transporter, a scenario we've all dreamed about when standing in line at security airports. Okay, that, he's got that right. We've already done some teleportation, specifically of photons and atoms, but these aren't people. These yeah. particles don't disappear and reappear, according to Forbes. The information contained in the photons quantum state is transmitted from one photon container in the photon quantum state is transmitted uh, through the quantum entanglement without actually traveling the intervening distance. Oh, can I, without actually traveling the intervening distance. Oh, interesting. An exact copy of it appears in the other side where the original photon is destroyed Similar to the way that an extra Riker was made when the other one wasn't destroyed, according to the theory. Similar to the way that they have always said that that's what happens on the transporter. Exactly, according to theoretical physicist Masachi Kaku, we consist of fifteen. Thank you for me destroying that name, but fifteen trillion cells. So we need to wait a few centuries before we're teleporting like Kirk, and we still have to destroy the original. So, okay, so we're about well. Fi- we're not transporting. We have to wait. We're on time. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're exactly. We're about right. And number 12, and last but not least, the hypospray. The hypospray. Where is the hypospray that I did have? I think I showed the hypospray when I should have showed the... Uh, oh, no, that is the... Uh, I, I, oh, okay, here we go. Sorry, guys. Here is a hypospray with Dr. G- Dr. Bracoli. In the world of Star Trek, there's no need for needles. Uh, Bones administers medicine through the skin using a painless jet-injected hypospray. Recently, MIT created a similar device, similar, that according to Geeks.com, delivers a drug through the skin at the speed of 340 meters per second in under a millisecond. The amount of drug can be varied. What's that in regular? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Uh, About... about a uh, a centimeter, the amount of drug. It's about a foot. 
about a foot. I think it's about. I think it's about yay big. It's about yay big. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, big. I'll take that. The of, I got to a good one. The amount of drug can be varied as about how deep it can be injected and how far the patient is concerned or how uh, far is the patient is concerned. They shouldn't feel anything other than the tip of the injector against the skin. That's because the jet is as thin as a mosquito's uh, mosquito biting you. It's or a proboscic or whatever. Uh, whatever. I, I should have I should have stuck with Probos- biting. Proboscis. Thank you. His nose. Thank you. I mean, I knew it was the nose. I just never have never have actually read that word since since uh, <laughs> since Mr. Juntnan's class. I think it's not the first, but mm-hmm. it it uh, does have more. I'm contr- sure he couldn't pronounce it either. No, he didn't. He, he said the blah. but it does have more control other than former hypersprays, which were created in the past, which means it could actually be a replacement for needles in the near future. So I think that's kind of exciting, and I do think this one is a pretty accurate one. We've we actually have one that counts, and I do think that th- yeah, that one definitely counts. This could be something that could separate us from separate us from our past from the apes. Yeah, we could get into a we're not we're not living in the dark ages here. How can we do this? So we're gonna transition and move a little bit quicker to get through a couple of quick titles, uh, and I know. God, he probably won't have much to say about this next one, but who knows? It, it could be. It could be. I, I am curious what you think about this. It, Pokemon, Pokemon. I've been playing a new Pokemon video game, and it occurred to me as I was playing this game that how the hell, like Pokemon, when they first came out, everyone thought it was just a simple little fad that would be a fad that came up and died. It, it didn't die. It, it's just. It's interesting to me that they're still, in some ways, even more popular than they ever were. It's not a fad that died like so many others that were popular for thirty seconds. Because the people that played it when they were kids, it wasn't something they just let go. They play as adults too, and they play the video games, and they're into the whole culture of it. And it's just interesting to me that Pokemon still exist. I don't know. Um, um uh, four words. Hello Kitty for boys. Yeah. Hello Kitty for boys. Mis- I think Mr. Potato you Head. No, I think Yeah. I mean, but I think it's I think it's it's just it's that it, it's the Disney characters. It's the, you know, you think it's the cuteness factor that keep that keeps them going? The fact that they're so cute and lovable in the sense and they cute, have You played with them as kids. You know, they're quirky and weird and fun. And they have, per- and they, and they have just per- caught on socially. Yeah, and and the fact of of the video games, which probably are the thing that keeps the adults playing the most. The video games have always been quality, and they're made uh, Nintendo. They're ba- made by Nintendo, and it's just all, they're always mm-hmm. the the utmost fun. And Nintendo knows how to run a franchise. They do. They do, and they know. You know and they, and they but beyond like that, the they most know successful franchise in the world. Yeah, and they know how to market characters. And and Pikachu is as famous a character in some ways as Mario, Link, Donkey Kong, all the other Nintendo franchise uh, icons. So moving on to, uh, did you get a chance? Have you ever seen or at least seen the? Uh, the most recent Batman movies, the Christian Bale Batman voice. Are you familiar with the? No. Okay, Christian. I, I haven't. I I know. I mean, obviously, I know who Christian Bale. Yeah, I'm just, no, I'm, I I'm just curious if you've ever heard the Christian Bale Batman voice. No. Okay. Now, now, Alas. yeah, it's very, it's very raspy and stuff like that. Christian Bale Batman mm-hmm. voice. Let's see if I can. Uh, <laughs> let's see if I can get a quick, quick. Uh, 
quick, quick video of that if it, it's not going to cr- crash the society. So, so as we go, now, uh, as, I st- as I stall for time while I look for videos of Christian Bale's Batman voice, <laughs> it, it was very, in the, in the Dark Knight, which is considered in some ways one of the best superhero movies, and in some ways uh, some people think should have won, won the movie for uh, the best movie that year. It the voice Batman's voice was something that was very much uh, shunned upon, and and people made fun of it. Was it was uh, it was a joke. And when prompting his uh, last film, Out of the Furnace, Christian Bale opened up about his original audition for Batman Begins and how he came up with his now iconic Bat voice, the Batman voice of the Dark Knight trilogy. Here, here we go. I'm Batman. Time to move in. Don't let me find you out here again. I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. What's this? Leverage. For what? To get things moving. Him again. Who are the others? Can you drive stick? I'm sorry, Art. Where's Dan? I want the Joker. I don't need help. I'm considering it. Drop the gun. (laughs) Who are you? Someone like you. Then why do you want to kill me? If I get him to you, can you get him to talk? (laughs) Storm's coming. I'm counting on it. Uh, You'll be in a better chill uh, forever. I'll get my car. <laughs> that one's the best. He's just a guy. <laughs> so that's that's a little bit of uh, Christian Bale's Batman voice. He sounds like <laughs> like Jack Nicholson trying to hide his voice over the telephone. Yeah, some people some people have also said he sounds like a little bit like Clint Eastwood at times when he's doing like. <laughs> so, yeah. So his original audition for Batman begins and how he came up with his now iconic Bat voice. The Dark Knight trilogy. Here's what the former Bruce Wayne told MTV. I got there. They put me in the Val Kilmer Batman suit. I didn't even fit properly, and I stood in it, and I, and I felt like an idiot. What kind of guy walks around dressed like a bat? And I'm going to be like, and how am I going to be like, hello, how are you? Please ignore that I'm dressed like a bat. <laughs> of course, he meant to be doing this. If you looked at the history of the guy and the pain he went through, I went... I can't do this in a normal voice. I have to become a beast in order to sell this. Bale continued, I went home that evening and my wife said, how'd it go? I went, it was kind of crappy. And I showed her and she went, <laughs> and she went, oh, fuck. You, you didn't, you fucked that one up. Oh, no. And he did the, I'm sorry. I, I kind of fucked that up. I've kind of fucked that up. Bale continued, he did the voice for them, what ended up being the Batman voice. He went home that evening and his wife said, how'd it go? He said, I don't know how it went. It went kind of bad. And he did the voice. And he showered, and she came out, and she said, well, you fucked that audition up. You're not going to get the part. And he said, thank God he got the call the next day, and they said they went for it. Even though it, it all uh, panned out for Bale, the actor did have some advice for Ben Affleck in the upcoming Batman vs. Superman movie. The voice ain't for everybody. God. Ben's obviously going to have to do his own thing, but it was the only way I could find otherwise to get into that and justify wearing a fucking bat suit. Otherwise, he's just uh, loopy beyond belief. He's loopy, but he's loopy with a method to his madness. I look forward to seeing what Ben does with it. So, so yes. So, uh, Bale, I, I, this is where, this is where it fucks with me a little bit here, Gotti, because I love Christian sure. Bale. I love the, the Dark Knight trilogy. There's parts of all three movies I I dislike a little bit. I think uh, especially the third movie drags on a little bit and and the story is a little bleh, all over the place. But I do think the second movie, The Dark Knight, is an excellent movie. And I do think his acting in general is very good in it. 
I hate the voice, but I understand the method. It's like if you understand why – I think Christian Bale is a genius actor. You see him in movies like The Fighter and even as a child in Empire of the Sun. I think – I believe he has some immense acting ability and he goes into every part changing his body, changing his feeling and really having to get into the head of a character. And I understand what he's saying here that he felt like if he had to be Batman, if people were going to buy that Bruce Wayne was Batman, he had to completely change his voice oh. into something unrecognizable. That and be- made sense. But the voice sounds stupid, and I, I this is that's my conflict. Awful. I get why the actor's doing it. I get that Tom Hardy's a good actor. I just hate Shinzon. I get that he gives it a good performance. I just hate the fucking character of Shinzon. I get that Christian Bale's an excellent actor, and he's putting this, putting all his effort into this. But I think the Batman voice sounds like shit, and nothing he's gonna say or rationalize to me is gonna make me think that it didn't suck. That's my problem. <laughs> And I need something that yeah, I need. Basically. Let me go to one more thing that you're not going to really care about, and then we'll, and then we're going to close things out on the uh, final issue that I know is something that you might care about. The first announcement of a character appearing in Star Wars Episode Seven was uh, very. Very unsurprising as it gets. In the post, the official Star Wars blog, Lucasfilms Arts, um, admits that, guess what, folks? Gotti's right. Guess what? The first two casting announcements. Can you can you guess? I know you don't know anything about Star Wars, really. I mean, you know something about Star Wars because you have, f- probably have a lot of friends that are into Star Wars. Can you guess who yes. the first two casting announcements are? I'm, ju- I'm, ju- um, I'm just curious if you, if you, well, if you were to guess. First official casting announcement. Seven, eight, nine, right? Yes. Um. Um. <laughs> oh, Obi Wan Kenobi and no, no, Mrs. no, Roper, whoever the mother was. No, <laughs> no, unfortunately. But when I say it, you're gonna think that maybe you thought it. We're like, no, this doesn't count. The first two characters announced are C three PO and R two fucking T two. I knew you were going to say that. How that, did you announce that? That's that's why I put off that question to you because I because I feel like you were just going to go. Uh, no, no, I, this is how I thought your answer was going to go. Uh, I don't. Uh, uh, I don't know. C three P one R two D two. And I was going to go yes. And I was going to go yes. Instead, I have Obi Wan Kenobi married to Mrs. Roper. And yeah, I yeah. I don't parents. know. Instead, instead, we what we got was much, much better. I, I, I have to say. <laughs> so, so finally, for my uh, final issue of the day, uh, Mystery Science, uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand oh, yeah, 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 yeah. traditional Turkey Day is back. There are hand and I, th- I'm just reading the article, but there are a handful of uh, unpre unimpeachable Thanksgiving institutions arguing with their family, multi-thousand calorie meals, and uh, football players featuring games featuring the Lions and the Cowboys, parades, uh, falling asleep early. (laughs) And I used to love, love, love watching the Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, marathons that would be played on uh, Thanksgiving, but not since 1997. Of course, that all changes this Thanksgiving. EW is pleased to announce that Mystery Science Theater 3000 creator and the original guy on it, not that I did not enjoy the second guy. I know there's big arguments about, I think his name was Chris. I'm, I'm blanking on it right now, but but Mike. Mike, thank you, thank you. Uh, some people do like Mike better than Joel. I personally, being a little bit of a stoner myself, uh, and always loved Joel as a stand-up comic. He used to do this wonderful st- like, like I was, you know what? I met him 
again, it, like a little thing at MIT. It was like, you know, just it was a panel mm-hmm. of the MSC, you know, MST3K people. And I told him the story of how I had videotapes of him doing stand up that my grandmother had. And she, he was like, your grandmother, like she was an early adopter, my, my father's mother. Yeah. And, um, you know, and he was just so amazed that like, I, I remembered his parts st- of the, his routine. Yeah. He just stuff. had this like so, really, he was really thrilled. He had this really like laid back sort of attitude, like, like, yeah. It, 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 and, and very, awesome. very stony, very, very, I, I don't know. I just, I always loved Joel better, better than Mike. Not that I didn't like Mike. I thought Mike was awesome, but Joel is, Joel is to me, I mean, he's the creator. He's the one, it was his idea in a lot of ways. But anyways, Joel is hopping on board the the Satellite of Love once again to program the return of Turkey Day, uh, Turkey Day Shout Factory, which has been uh, doing a seller job putting out Mystery Science Theater 3000 on DVD, is helping to celebrate the show's 25th anniversary with a Turkey Day marathon, curated and hosted by him himself. Uh, beginning on noon Eastern on Thanksgiving Day, fans will be able to log on to uh, Mr. MST3KTurkeyDay.com for six glorious classic uh, shampoo-filled episodes of Mystery Science Zero 3000. But what classic Turkey Day will get uh, basted by Joel, Mike, Crow, and Tom Servo on Thanksgiving Day? That's up to the fans. They've opened it up to take the fans' suggestions via Twitter. So hit them up, whether... Whether it's Sound Off, whether it's Manos, The Hand of Fate, if it's the more harrowing Jungle Goddess, or cast your vote of which Gamma movie you think is most the, uh, Thanksgiving-centric, get on there and vote for it and get your favorite episodes in there, because I'm really excited. When I first read the story, I kind of hoped that it was it was an, a return, like they were going to do a reunion episode of some sort. But I think this is just as good, and I think if they get a positive response, which they have in, mo- in more recent years, you're more likely to see something like that. And I, but I also don't want to see them do something if they don't have the, the vibe and the, and the, uh, the flavor to do it. Because if you just go some go go to do something like that, and you don't really care about what you're doing, it could come off very flat, especially doing commentaries like that. So, so I I saw the stage show of Cinematic Titanic. Mm-hmm. Did they still and- have it? <laughs> Some of them did, some of them, uh, most of them did, but they brought back J. Elvis Weinstein. Oh, nice, nice, awesome. But honestly, he was completely full of himself, not full of himself like you wouldn't, well, you probably wouldn't have wanted to talk to him, but like in this like, I'm so funny, I said a funny thing, Right. Like I went there. So, and it's like, oh, great. Some people Would you get are, out of the way so the grown-ups can make comedy? <laughs> some some people are funnier when they don't realize they're funny. I think I call it the Anthony Michael Hall disease. When Anthony Michael Hall didn't know he was being funny, he was he was really funny. And then in yes. movies like Johnny Be Good, when he when he starts to believe his own press, he's been dating Molly Ringwald too long, so he thinks he's too cool, and he stops playing the geek and, go, and gets put on Saturday Night Live, and he's like, oh, I'm funny now. He's anything but funny. But in those in weird signs, Science and in uh, Breakfast Club and in all those early geek roles and in the Vacation movie, uh, before he was really so aware of it, he was he was hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I think I think I think that's a good place to cut off for this week. Let me uh, let me play my little enemy song here. Oh, I didn't rant about my thing. What's your rant? Go away, Gotti. Final oh, issue. Well, I forgot about my rant. 
everybody they keep talking about the stupid healthcare thing like they know anything about healthcare systems and and I'm like I've had it I I don't want to listen to them argue over the details of a specific bad plan and if they win a particular argument over some statistic that they read somewhere and somebody else didn't happen to know it they act like they fucking know something I think this is so a I've, <laughs> keep going keep going it's very quickly terminated on my side so I have taken to asking the simple question when they get to the point of they want a single-payer system, what are the benefits of the single-payer system? Name a country that does, and they always say Canada, and Canada doesn't, and, 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 and uh, tell me the advantages or potential advantages, disadvantages that you perceive in a single-budget multi-payer system. Thank you. I th- and then they, they I, don't know what to say. I so think I when it comes down to it and uh... – <laughs> that that we live in an age that people everyone thinks they're a genius about everything when they actually have no facts to back up anything. I think whatever the subject matter is, people just want to rant and add add ideas or be cr- critical about anything and come on both sides. I think it's a, on a basic concept of if, if someone's a Republican or a Democrat or on either side of an issue and they just most of the time they just pick a side and if you ask them to explain why they feel a certain way, they blank up. They can't answer the question because all they are are just giant sports fans that are that are uh, that are rooting for their side of the colored pajamas. Oh my god, that is the best political science statement I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. And but it's true. It's it, just giant sports fans. No, I they are, and they're like, oh, and it's the same way with video games, with the Xbox One versus the PlayStation 3 right now. It's like, you have to pick a team. Pick a team and argue about it. Who cares about the facts? You can't pick a side. I actually had someone say to me once, when I said I was an independent, I go, because I'm liberal on some beliefs. You know, I believe in I believe in the death penalty, but I believe in, uh, you know, I believe in a woman's right to choose. Those are just two, like, basic examples. And someone's like, why don't you just pick a side? Stop being independent. Pick a fucking side. You're such a pussy. Or at least... Stop using that ridiculous that ridiculous wait, that a woman's right to choose. I'm like, okay, pineapple or vanilla yogurt. But you know, you know, what I, you know what I mean. I believe a fa- I believe that a family here, here, that here, here. Pe- that people should be allowed to get abortions if they don't want babies. I, that's a better way of saying it. I'll say it directly. Then I think people should be able to get abortions <laughs> if they don't want it's babies. A more direct way of saying it, definitely. Like I don't think there should be any um, law preventing people from getting rid of unwanted babies because I think we have enough unwanted children in the world. Anyways, thank you everyone for tuning into this week's issues program. Gotti and I will be back next week. I'm sure. I hopefully Gotti will be able to call in. And uh, uh, hopefully I will be able to call in. Yeah, yeah, and if you can, if you want to, you can uh, check or please do check out my website issuesprogram.com for all news articles and and past podcasts call in 24 hours a day seven days a week uh 781-990-8509 you can email me at i got issues man follow me on twitter at i got issues man search on facebook under the issues guy i'm even on even on google plus believe it or not everywhere yeah i'm everywhere everywhere Everywhere. soon to be on itunes hopefully as well so uh search fill the issues guy on youtube to see some youtube videos and you can check out all Gotti and i's past breaking bad podcast if you're now just watching the final season of breaking bad so please, uh, please do that. Anyways, folks, thank you very much. I will be back next week to talk. Thanks, everybody. To talk to you more later. Oh no, not my song ended. I pushed the wrong button. But now we're gonna play a quick promo for you. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, a promo! Yay! Yay! Promo for the rest of Land of Ash. Go out and play.
Get ready to get your nerd on. Kick the week off right with games, gadgets, and general geekery from the ladies of the Electric Sisterhood. On Tuesdays, get your pop culture news and reviews with a pure Bostonian perspective on the Boston Bastard Brigade. Geek Agro is coming at you on Wednesdays to fill what's left of your cerebral cortex with the hottest beats to get you on your feet. Then on Thursdays, you have me, Phil the Issues well, Friday, presenting now. the live <laughs> issues program. It's going down each week. Only in the land of Ash, Nerdcore at its finest. 